Peace to you all. Welcome, greetings. This is the Chief Yuya Podcast, and uh, I believe we're on episode 58, if I'm not mistaken. And in this segment, I want to deal with the concept of attachments. And I want us to explore that a little bit together because uh, our attachments sometimes tend to trip us up a little bit. And sometimes it's hard to imagine you know, all the different ways that what we, uh, what we attach ourselves to sneak themselves into our psyche and uh, all of the different ways that um, we find ourselves misunderstanding why it is that we're attached to certain things or what we're attached to. And of course, the effect that it has on our journey, because this is all about our our journey to get to where we're supposed to be. You know, when you're when you're looking at um, attachments, um, attachments and illusions are like brother and sister, if you will, you know, or, or in fact, rather, are like mother and child, you know, where the, the illusion, the appearance of our reality is the mother and your attachments are the child to that mother. And they are so uh, forced together and binded together in such a sticky and sort of amazing way that uh, it's very difficult to see one for the other, from the other, without uh, true knowledge of self. You know, in in the work that I do, oftentimes uh, when I begin to um, put myself in the presence of those who come to me to learn and to grow by their admission, one of the first things they begin to do is uh, share their story or share who they are or what they are, oftentimes with no urging for me, no conscious urging. You know, I often get tales that begin with, Chief, see, I'm the type of person like this. See, Chief, let me tell you about me. You know, and what they're seeking to do is saturate their illusion of who and what they believe themselves to be inside of a space that has the potential to burn that illusion away. Now, what is that space? That space is my presence. You know, it's like sometimes being around um, an elder. And, you know, sometimes you may have that friend, let's say when you were younger, maybe even older, and you never really liked to go into their house. You would always come to pick them up. You would text them from outside or you would honk the horn from outside because they had that elder grandmother, grandfather who you could tell could always see through you, you know, and if you didn't necessarily have pure intentions, there was an uncomfortability there because you were not able to saturate that space with what you were about. Maybe as soon as you came in, there was certain sort of a certain kind of music playing. There was always a certain sort of conversation. Maybe you had to reformat yourself upon walking in, like take your hat off, remove your shoes, you know, adjust your language, put your cigarette out or whatever it was out, you know. And there may have been that eye there, that elder there with that eye that could always see through whatever it is that you're speaking about, you know, or whatever it is that you're trying to present. So you stayed away because it wouldn't work there. You know, um, sometimes I have those experiences where, where people will flee from my my presence, if you will, um, because they know that their story won't find a place to settle in. The ink won't dry, <laughs> you know, and inside of the spaces that I create or some people, they try. And like that elder, uh, I very rarely will say what you're saying makes no sense. What you're saying is inaccurate or you're lying, or that's just not true. You know, I tend to let uh, a fool express themselves as a fool, you know, unless uh, they're expressing themselves among those who I am in charge over and I need to clarify so that they don't end up confused by the fool statements. You know, attachments are such a, a powerful thing in that way because like I said, they have such a mixture of sticky substance. It's like attachments are, stick, are stuck to you like uh, with a substance similar to honey. 
you know, there's a sweetness to it, you know, and there's a pastiness to it at the same time. And your mind or your, your thoughts become glued with that mixture and the, and the attachments grow even stronger because they seem sweet. They seem protective, you know, and oftentimes our attachments are very, very much tied into the very the, the concept of someone who would want to be attached to something. Right. So someone who has many attachments, we would typically consider to be um, selfish. Right. So I want this. I want that. This is mine, 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 mine. Right. So selfishness is actually something that will cause attachments. You know, it will spur attachments. And, you know, it is through your attachments that all of your misery comes. If you consider anything that's happening in the world right now, whether it be a war, whether it be a mass shooting, whether it be any any sort of tragedy or any sort of uh, disruptive um, event that happens. And when I say disruptive, disruptive to the peace and the well-being of the planet, to, to the human consciousness, it's always based on attachment, you see, because through your attachment, your troubles come because of your desires, you know, and sometimes we we become attached to an identity and the identity itself creates further need for attachment, which creates further misery, creates further trouble. You see, um, we oftentimes deal with that in the workspace. We do a particular work and we want credit for it, you know, and then we carry that oftentimes into our relationships. You know, we do something, we want credit for it. You know, um, our identification or our incessant need for identification becomes a source of misery because we don't know how to work without identification. Being able to work, any sort of work that you do uh, without identification is the the formula for happiness. You know, when you can, um, you know, you consider as a child, oftentimes a child will do something, enjoy it in a moment. But then there's a there's an ego that take that sets in. There's a narcissism that sets in at a certain age. This is healthy, but. There's a narcissism that sets in where now they need to receive glory for it. They need to go to their parent and say, look at me. Look at what I did. I did it all by myself. You see. And again, there's a there's a careful balance of that. But that need for identification through our work or to work and be identified for what we do or to receive credit for what we do is uh, part of the formula for misery, you see. Uh, when we're able to free ourselves from that, we become a totally different energy, you see. We begin to open up the doors to bliss. When we can do and not necessarily require credit, when we can do and not necessarily require identification, when we don't seek for our identity through what we do, and if you consider the the nature and the formulas of the world, often when we encounter a person, more often than not, for the first time, one of the first things we ask them is, what do you do? You see, what do you do? And then we make a judgment by what they do. We identify them wholly by what they do, especially if we uh, maybe engage in some level of conversation with them and we discover that or we judge and determine that they have the potential to do more than what they are currently doing. So if they have the potential to do more than what they are currently doing, then we stamp an identification on them. And sometimes people will feel the thrust of that energy. They'll, they'll feel it extend, that judgment extend out, outward from us onto on their skin. And that may be translated as guilt. And then in that moment, they may start telling us this story. Oh, oh yeah, I do this, but hey, let me tell you something about me. You know, I love what I do. And, you know, I could have done this. I could have done that. And, you know, I, hey, let me tell you something. I was once this and I had a scholarship here to do that. But, you know, I decided to choose this. You know, now they begin to defend their identity, which leads to more misery. 
as opposed to being able to do without identification. You see, that is an attachment. That's an attachment. And it all exists within that sticky space where our our thoughts are glued to an object, you see. And it's glued to an object sometimes through, you know, that sweet honeyness or some sort of glue. And, you know, the appearance of something becomes the prison. You know, that Maya, if you will. Maya is, is well, uh, I'll, I'll touch upon that in a moment. Um, but one of the things that we have to do in order to work with our identification in terms of finding proper solution for that is, is get to a space where we can look for what is infinite, you know, look for the thing that's unchangeable. The changeable thing is always the thing of the world. The changeable thing is always going to be the product of magic. You know, like I often tell you, magic is temporary and often people are so so fascinated and so enchanted by the ability for someone to of someone to do magic. You know, um, it's one of the reasons why I don't do as many um, rituals and things for people as I once did, because people become far more fascinated with my ability to manipulate matter and my ability to divine than they than they become with the source of that ability. You see, so I some years back, decided that um, this is why there hasn't really been too many more Risha podcasts and um, the, the Gregorian years have come and you haven't really gotten more readings and more rituals for wealth and success. I stopped doing that because I realized that the place that the consciousness was for who it was that I was speaking to, they weren't ready. You see, so I decided some years ago that I would choose morality over magic. And my teaching. So that's why now you, you'll hear a lot. Um, and not that it hasn't been there. It's been there the whole time. But I've always had a combination of speaking about character and speaking about rituals, speaking about moral compass, speaking about magic. But I noticed that there was always a leaning towards ritual and magic. And when I would speak about the other things, it was almost ignored. So I said, OK, I'm only going to speak about the thing that's ignored for now on. Because um, the balancing, the balanced mind right now, um, some people are not, are unable to handle maybe a lack of development, most often because of selfishness. You know, this is why sometimes you would hear segments that I would do, especially the live segments. People would call and we'd be talking about one subject. We could be talking about the sky. Someone would call in and say, oh, I haven't been here the whole time. But look, I got a question about a dream I had. You know, they're only focused on what they want. As soon as they get their answer, they hang up, they're gone. You see, unable or unwilling to share in the 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 theological, the mental, the spiritual, spiritual journey or the emotional journey of what the group is doing. They're only focused on the one thing that they want. And um, usually that one thing. Ten times out of ten is not the answer to anything. You know, there are some people who are so divided, you know, um, they never really want to do what the group is doing. And they think that there's some great wisdom in that. There's some great wisdom in always pulling away. And, you know, I spoke about that in previous podcasts, the one, you know, they think there's some great wisdom in not being able to get on the one with everyone, but always being the loose hair that's out without realizing that that hair gets plucked, <laughs> you know, it gets plucked and thrown into the candle. You know, it gets burnt away. You know, you consider. You consider when when a a cow or a sheep grazes in the field, you know, or in the pasture uh, uh, or even uh, a goat. I have seen this so many times on my my own property. Uh, You'll have a goat eating from a bush and you'll have its its kid somewhere close by. And while the goat is eating from the bush, it's also looking at its, its kid. You see, so it's, it's, um, focus is split. It's mind is split between the responsibility of being a parent. And at the same time, gathering sustenance, you see, this is the same way that we have to be 
when we're doing the work or when we're fixating on the most high. We have to have the ability to uh, give give our attention and our energy to the work that we do while also having our mind fixated on the most high. Because, see, that's really the only way that you can renounce the attachments to anything. It's that middle point. Some people are unable to do that. It's one or the other. And unfortunately, a, surf- a selfish person who is wrapped up in the, the spirit and the energy of attachment, they're only thinking about the work. You know, what they want, what they're trying to do, what they want to accomplish, as opposed to thinking about two at the same time, you know, so then they get stuck into attachment and they get stuck in this, in this, this, this unbalanced seesaw of either I won or I lost. Either I can feel pleasure or I can feel pain. Either I uh, was victorious or I was defeated. And There has to be a cautious and a meticulous disciplining of the mind, you see, because it is through that mind that we begin to open up certain doors. You know, that's that's our secret success and gaining bliss. You know, when we begin to feel and we begin to think and everything that we do is infused with the the focus and the attention of the most high in every single second of our life. Whether we're lighting a candle, (laughs) whether we're opening up our laptops, turning on our our tablets, going to work, getting dressed, washing ourselves. You know, what happens is that when we keep our constant attention on the creator, we'll feel the pain of separation the moment we get off the path. You see, even if it's just for a microsecond, you'll feel like, oh, something's off. Because I my focus has switched. No different than how a mother can tell in a park when they, when their child is not where their child is supposed to be. You know, among a sea of children, something's something's off. You see, or something that I'm doing right now has now divided my attention. That balance that I that I previously had. You see, because I'm not attached to what it is that I'm doing. I'm only gluing myself to the source of the magic. I'm only gluing myself to the source of the illusion. You see, inherently Maya is not a bad thing. It's it's not. You know, oftentimes when people speak about Maya, unfortunately, or yoga yoga Maya, they speak about it in a in a concept of like um egoic illusion. Yes, of course it is illusion that makes the ego stronger. That there is there is no doubt about that. And it is through um our sensuality that we forget the powerful of the, the the power of the infinite. It is through our sense in that our, our sensuality that um, we lose the ability to search out and find that being that has no change. You know, that being that only is um, the source of our success in our quest. Our quest is our question. You see, it's that unalterable, unalterable happiness that we find when we're consistently focused on that particular being or that particular one. But it's it's through our sensuality. You know, some some people have trouble uh shunning certain experiences, you know, that bring on sensual pleasure or sensual enjoyment. And they don't realize that all sensual enjoyment is imbued with de- with defects. All of it. No matter how great it feels, no matter uh, what mountaintop you imagine that it brings you to, it's all imbued with with various defects, you know. And there are certain sort of sins and pains and a certain kind of slave mentality and weakness, you know, um, struggle and and exertion and certain habits and cravings and um, Cerebral restlessness and aggravation that comes from desires that are all associated with certain exploitations of our sensuality. So in truth, when you when you really get to a point when you're able to balance the mind as it should, you learn how to shun your sensual enjoyments. You see, you learn to shun them. Many of us, if we can think about the things that are holding us back from being and doing what it is that we would like to be and do in this season. You'll find that it's something that's related to 
a feeling, a sensuality. It's, it's some sort of feeling, whether it's a fear or whether it's a habit that we have, whether it's a constant craving, addiction, uh, whatever it is. And again, these are all children of Maya. You know, now Maya is an important concept for the uh, initiate to understand Maya because Maya is is appearance and appearance is oftentimes or more often than not, not associated with illusion in the same sort of way. But anything that has an appearance, it only appears because a person does not have knowledge of themselves. So they require an, an appearance. They, they require Maya is the illusions and the appearances that are required for the individual who does not have the ability to coax their own mind and discipline their own mind and understand who and what they are. So when their heart uh, kind of gives way to certain trials or gives way to certain um, illusions or delusions about themselves, there now comes an unreal nature of objects that must emerge for you to relate to. You see, it's it's very similar to not being able to tell an underdeveloped mind about the nature of water or about the nature of lightning or about the nature of thunder. So what you do is you give them a mythology, you give them a fairy tale that helps them to understand it. And they're soothed by that fairy tale because they're unable to take on the understanding of what the, what that thing actually is. They're unable to own that just just yet. You see, because in order to truly get beyond um, illusion, in order to truly discipline the mind, there has to be a sharpness of mind, which some people just don't possess. You know, it doesn't mean that they, they can't possess it, but oftentimes people will get caught up in Maya. They'll get caught up in um, the ubiquity of it because it's everywhere, you know, and it manifests in, in so many different ways in our lives, but it clouds our judgment. It creates confusion and it creates a conflict inside where um, people cannot see things as they truly are. They begin to make choices that are not wise. You know, there's a limitation to knowing and perceiving and Maya creates all of the different filters and the shortcuts, which now um, disrupt perception, true perception, disrupt true and powerful thinking because it doesn't want you to see um, what truly exists, you know. But in order to see things as they truly are, it requires effort. It requires a sharp intellect. It requires um, mental clarity. It requires proper knowledge. Oftentimes, again, when I get those who come to me, you know, um, proposed students, and they start to tell me their story, I'm this type of person. I'm that type of person. Or if I share some wisdom with them and I can feel the wall. I mean, I, I, I very rarely say, you know, you're not even listening or you're not even taking that. No, I hear you, chief. Hearing and listening are not the same thing, though. You hear me, but you're not listening. You're not ingesting. There's a wall up, you know, because your ego has been strengthened by your appearance. The things that have appeared to you. And you've had so many appearances in the world, which you may consider to be some type of sacred uh, revelation or some sacred experience. I see this and I see that and I see that you're seeing so many different things because that's just how much you don't know yourself. So the universe has to constantly put all of these fairy tales and myths and appearances because every appearance is a myth. None of it is real. So the universe constantly puts all these myths in front of you. People who are stuck in mythology, people who are stuck in, in lower spiritual understanding are people who have a limited perspective of themselves. So they're constantly caught in this battle, you know, with their own mortality um, between these different mortal beings that seek them, seek for them to stay in illusion and a divine intervention that's looking to restore their purpose. It's a constant battle, you see. And of course, as long as you're you're living a mortal life, you're not really going to escape the condition of Maya, but it can exist around you. But you'll find that as you become more evolved and more developed, 
there's less appearances. There's less things that are seen. There's less things that are that are are known, and you begin to validate um, your existence through a deeper microcosmic perspective, and not through testimony. You know, uh, your own personal testimony. This is who I am. This is what I am. Or even a testimony of others. Let me tell you something about my teacher. Let me tell you something about what he what he experienced. Who cares? <laughs> you see, who cares? We're looking for um, the source of the forces of nature. We're not, you know, for those of us who are truly traveling, we're not locked into delusion and ignorance and egoism. You know, we understand that even our physical body is a creation of Maya. Because there was a source that didn't understand something. So it needed a body to now understand something. So because of a lack of knowledge of self, humanity was created. You see. So there's a field of Maya that begins to personify the state of not knowing, you see. And that field of Maya is a prison. It's a prison house for the true self, you see. And until we're able to let go of the attachments that the prison house presents in front of us, we're never completely freed of it. That's that's the trick to it, you see. So there's a deluding and kind of distracting force which it draws spirits and, and souls into this this whirlpool, if you will, and then it tosses them up and down in the in the in waves of of transitory thought, you know. And some people cannot uh find their anchoring. And the reality is it's like magic. When magic often occurs, people focus more on the magic itself. And not on the magician. You see. So it's the same thing. When illusion and appearances occur in life. Oftentimes the focus becomes on the appearance. And not on the source. Who created this illusion. You see that's what Maya is. You know. When you're looking at. um, Living. When you're looking at being. You're looking at something that exists at its source. Everything that comes after that may be able to tell us about the source, but doesn't doesn't really give us any real information about the source. You see, worshiping the river, going to the river, pouring milk, flowers into the river, tell us nothing about the source of the river. Because the river itself is, is, a, is an alternate illusionary reality, and it doesn't actually point us to the grand wizard of that illusion. You see, it activates itself in nature and it conceals the truth. So it projects that alternate reality. It casts the net of Maya or the met of illusion and it draws all those unsuspecting people or unsuspecting souls um, into that field. And it lets nature do the rest. You see. Maya itself is a God, you know, Maya itself is a God. You know, and but the most high is concealed in a field of Maya. The most high is concealed in a field of appearances. And as long as we're stuck in the attachment of the appear of what appears, of what comes forth, you see, then we'll never actually be able to stabilize ourselves or ground or balance ourselves or overcome the delusion, allowing us to really achieve liberation. We'll never really truly be able to do that until we can stabilize ourselves in the contemplation of self. You see, not the journey. I'm this type of person who nobody cares what kind of person you are. <laughs> you know, that's always something for me as a as an instructor and a teacher. You know, I don't really say it to people because, you know, you, you want people to feel free to um, express themselves and things. But whenever people come to me with their story. It's hard for them to imagine because, again, often they're so wrapped up in um, what they consider to be their own enlightenment and the phenomenon of what they've been able to discern, which is always Maya or, you know, you wouldn't have come to me. It's hard for them to imagine that this story is not interesting, especially when you're speaking to a teacher who has probably spent decades upon decades studying stories 
and whose story is actually fascinating. There's no way you can go into the deeper um, realms of of modification of your own psyche and come to your own um, journey of enlightenment and knowledge and overcoming the mechanisms of Maya and really get to that point of moksha. Moksha, moksha or um, mahakshra means the destruction of all of all delusion. That's what brings knowledge, which brings enlightenment, which brings a liberation. That within itself is an epic saga, saga to go through. So when people come with their stories, it's, <laughs> you know, you have to be courteous and polite, but you don't, you know, they cannot imagine how uninteresting this story may be and how far more interesting your story actually is. But, you know, you don't go around saying, let me tell you about me. If you truly have come to that place of, of liberation, because if I've truly come to that place of liberation, I really can't tell you about me. You know, the me was transitory. It was it was impermanent. You see. So when you begin to receive, perceive yourself as an object and as an independent player, you know, then you you you're not bound to the mechanisms of Maya. Maya, you receive that moksha. You receive that destruction of all that that blocks you from liberation, you see. But you have to understand the mechanisms of Maya first in order to overcome it. Most people who come with the, let me tell you about me, they refuse to learn the mechanisms. You know, to learn the delusions about birth and death, you see, and, and finite realities, those different modes and, and different fields, you see. So one of the first discernible uh, phenomenons is the creation um, or within creation is diversity. You see, um, within nature, there's so many appearances that create diversity and diversity manifests inside of, of us as well. Um, but because of Maya, we perceive diversity in our minds and our in our bodies, but not within the self. The self is is the hidden part. You see. We, we can see the diversity of subtle words, but not the consciousness that supports the diversity. What is the pure consciousness that supports the diversity of the subtle words that came to you and the subtle bodies and the subtle senses? You know, not understanding that the self, which has the breath of life, is all knowing. And it's self-knowing. You see, the self does not. It, it's it's requirement. It's dependent. It's not on external organs or um, or cognition or, or or perception. You see, but Maya, we can't experience without a sense. That's how you know when you're trapped in Maya. In order to experience the different sense, the, the, the different realities of Maya. I mean, there's over twenty three finite realities, and fifteen of those are. Senses that we name by the five organs of action, you know, uh, five organs of perception and five um, subtle senses. The senses are are always outgoing. They they draw the mind outward and evolve it, involve it inside of these sense objects. They always take the mind away. Your different senses, you see, they're responsible for getting torn into or or um, as we say in, in, in the Vedic text, like you have my in the Vedic text. Um, but you have samsara, you know, which it, they these things, they take the mind further out into samsara, you see. Because we, we we get so caught in mind and we don't realize the freeness of the true self. The freeness of the true self, the true self is is free of desires. So nothing can be taken out of the true self. Nothing can be added into the true self. So because the true self doesn't engage in any kind of um, desire quest, if you will. In, con- in contrast, though, the appearance that's been created, like our bodies, which is a, a Maya appearance. Um, those appearances are always incomplete. And they depend on so many different things in order to continue their existence. You know, so they go on these desire quests, which only lead to more karma and only lead to 
more bondage lead to more attachments. You see? And those desires become induced inside of us because of our because of our selfish attachments to the different modes of Maya. You see? So we have to practice detachment. We have to practice renunciation. We have to practice withdrawal. We have to practice self-restraint in order to overcome Maya and to be free of all attachments and see what we really like in our liberated state. You see, and start to remove the duality and egoism that Maya creates and induce. You know, we develop our attachments to all these different things and we get stuck into the mortal world. And we get kind of wrapped into the samsara. You see, our repeated interactions with the senses, with certain objects, you know, uh, under certain influences result in our attractions and our aversions and and our desire quest, you know, or or our actions that are saturated with desire. And they produce the attachments. They produce the karma. And then the attachments become responsible again for those actions that are saturated in desire, which so we become bound in this cycle of birth and death. You see. So being able to remove those attachments becomes key and it becomes key to finding a state of beingness or having the. uh, The materiality of the mind and body or the gross body or both um, not interfere with the purest state and the qualities of beingness. You know, the highest state of all beings that we can have or create or understand would be the Lord of of all the universe. You know, that combination, combination of pure consciousness, pure beingness, you know, never can happen when we're caught up in our attachments and those things that are impermanent and destructible immutable but you know even those things that are transitory and destructible and mutable they play an important role in the transmigration of souls because they pull um your work away from the pure consciousness of being into the material universe you see as opposed to just understanding the material universe is the body it's the body of the, of the creator and it's very similar to like what adoma was told when he and Hawa transgressed in the garden of God. And Elohim said, because you have listened to you, you've hearkened to the voice of the woman because the woman is the body. Even if it is the body of the creator, you are not supposed to follow the body. You're not even supposed to follow the universe, which is the body of the creator. All of these things create more karma for you. So now because this has happened, this must happen. You see the karma. Karma arises from all of these different ways that Maya or appearance um, come forth and remains in motion until until you're able to suppress those different modes. And they, they reinforce each other. You know, the influence or the cumulative influence of, of those effects upon our lives and upon our destinies. You see. So. Attachments is a key thing that we have to pay attention to and the, and the egoism that grows stronger through appearance. You know, when we're identifying ourselves with our mind and our body and considering that identification to be true rather than that real self that's hidden deep inside of us. You see, our ego is an aspect. It's a force of Maya and, and it assumes a level of ownership. It assumes the level of doership. It assumes to take control of the mind and the body. And it, it assumes to engage in activities that are desire saturated. Um, but in order to overcome that, we must acknowledge the most high. We must acknowledge that the universe truly belongs to the most high. And that is where our source and support comes from. It is the source of all cause and effects. So all actions should be rightfully offered to the Most High without desire of identification or claiming the fruit or the ownership of that action. That's how you cultivate purity. That's how you cultivate detachment. That's how you cultivate uh, renunciation and, and you begin to engage in real contemplation of the self. 
There's so much more to this, you know, in terms of dealing with delusion and death and um, how we truly overcome the cultivating the duality, you know, when we can cultivate sameness that's getting on one with everyone, with those who are working towards selfless actions, towards right knowledge, those who are working towards cultivating discernment, those who are working towards truly contemplating the self, those who are working truly towards cultivating virtues or divine qualities, you see. And you begin to regard truth with truth. (laughs) You know, truth begins to regard the truth because now you have this collective of truth. And the truth is the truth of the truth. Every truth or principle is a possibility in some context, condition, or situation. You know, you may find yourself, um, you may find it worth fighting for and living, or you may not. You know, but it's an undulating wave on the surface of impermanence. You know, you could call it by name, but um, it goes beyond Maya. Maya is the wave of impermanence. And truth is that, that light that hides, you know, and the light extends further. And the way it hides is through the creation of illusion. And as long as you lack knowledge of self, you'll always be caught up in the different undulating waves. You'll always have these unstable currents in your life, you know, um, because you're focused on the sun rays and not the source of it. You see, you're focused on the waves of the water and not what creates the waves and what are the waves hiding. You're so focused on your story and who I am and I'm this type of person. And I promise you, you're not that interesting. I promise you. And if you can grasp that, you can get a little closer. You see, that's a lot of the things that we deal with in our new is really getting to that source. And that's why it becomes so difficult for for some people to kind of be able to be within the wisdom of the sages and to keep a healthy sort of skepticism about themselves and the openness to the nature of creation and existence without kind of falling into the trap of dogma and doctrinal rigidity that they already have within their own minds. I'm this. That becomes your own doctrine that you you rigidly hold on to. I'm this. I'm that. You, you see, and you're unable then at that point to grasp any sort of relative truths and then use them in a wise way. Unfortunately, um, without mistaking them for the absolute truths. You, you see, you know, you become too opinionated. You know, Anu is a is an experience that um, for all of us, like. I often say it's a hospital. Anu is a hospital. We're all patients. <laughs> and the ultimate goal is to uncover the hidden aspects of the selves and, you know, to to learn the miracle and how um, we can escape destruction. You know, uh, we can begin to own and claim self-directed effort and survive against the gods. I mean, the odds. Uh, and the gods, the lower gods, because we're we're endowed with the intelligence of the higher gods. But that requires a sharp mind. That requires work. You know, it's not so easy as just burning a candle or getting initiated or getting cut. You know, so many people come to into Anu with that that concept. You know, um, well, I got initiated, and unfortunately, not realizing that people are selling selling you on that. You know. Do this and then you'll be able to do that. It's a lie. No, it requires much more work than that. Coming from someone who's gone through that um, at this point and at this age that I am, um, <laughs> for for a lot of you who listen, I've gone through that before some of you were born. Or, you know, why you were still trying to figure out how to ride your bike. <laughs> you know, so... Um, and as I say that, I think about something, you know, oftentimes when I speak, people will say, oh, chief, I knew you were talking to me when I was when you were saying this, saying that I wasn't. I have several thousand people that I work with, literally between students and, and clients and, and supporters. As intimate as you may think that our relationship is and as much as you may think that you're on my mind, you're not. Because. Beyond you, believe it or not, I actually have a family. I actually have children. I actually have um, 
a large harem of women and children that are I have to take care of, not to mention relatives, cousins, and, and nieces, and aunts, and siblings. There's a lot of people that I think about first and before I think about uh, everyone in YouTube land or um, even people who are within um, the bounds of, you know, say, oh, I study your stuff, chief. People who truly study don't say things like that. It's, you know, they people who truly study understand something that we live within an expansive universe and there's billions of galaxies. There's trillions of stars and, and planets, and we're a part of that universal scheme. You know, our lives do matter. Um, but it is a miracle that we can exist with inside of this, this humongous space. So <laughs> we're not as big as we think we are. <laughs> you know, and there are formative stages of our solar system that facilitate intelligent life. And um, many are still going through their formative stages and it's beautiful to watch it. But at the same time, there's so many different dynamics of intelligent life that a teacher has to help to facilitate while at the same time living in their own rather cryptic universe, if you will. You see, my work is not done to um, uncover the true nature of self and uncover the difference between um, lives that are in and around me and to remove the bondage, you know, um, that is created through the interplay between Elah and, and Maya or what we some would call God in nature. You know, I still have to execute the will of Elah or the most high, you know, um, where I'm facilitating the preservation and the creation and the destruction of certain beings and things like that. And, um, also understanding the alternative realities that arise through projection, transformation, and superimposition. Um, and that happens with Maya and her delusions of, of power, if you will. So, you know, I will that all of you were able to get something from this segment about attachments and ideas. And, and willfully, those of you who are coming into, I know we have applicants who are coming in and people who are asking, you know, a lot of times, I will give this sort of Anu information, you know, inside of certain things because I want people to be prepared. You know, you often hear me say, don't sign up if you're not ready, because there are resources that are that are poured into each person who comes. You know, each person who comes in, there's at least five to six people who go into action with every application from having an interview, overlooking the application. Um, me looking at it, me making certain suggestions, uh, go at this angle with this person, ask them this question, do this, do that. Then there's a review, then there's orientation that they go through. Then someone has to decide who's going to sponsor them. Okay, I'll, I'll walk this person through the gate. You know, I'll work with them and, and I'll start to, um, help them birth into something. You know, it's a, it's a one-on-one, uh, sort of process now. It's not like before when we were doing large cohorts and they were, 14, 15 people in a cohort and we just having classes together. I, I did away with that. And now um, I put the responsibility and the onus on members. You're going to work. If you say you're going to sponsor this person, you're going to work with them one-on-one and you're going to help them to learn how to become the self-existent knowing and help them to attain the liberation that they're saying that they want at the gate. And some people come in with a lot of ego and I've already done that. I've already achieved that. You know, I, I'm no longer an aspiring soul, you know, looking to escape this world. I, I You know, I, I've already walked the path of liberation. Those people you have the most work with. Those who make those defining statements. I don't have any demons. I've, I've conquered all my demons. You see, oh, I make good judgments, you know. Um, well, let me see what fruit you're yielding. Because your judgments become evident in the fruit that you yield. And then sometimes you start looking at the fruit and then people in their stubbornness would start telling you that all their mistakes and their failures are a result of somebody else and not realize this is why your success always drowns. It never survives. You, you see a moment of success 
But then your illusions of self-importance take over, you see. Without realizing the truth is this, that the universe does not give you any special or extra importance. It doesn't give you any way. It, it treats you, the universe treats you the same way it, it, it treats a rock that a dog urinates on. It treats you the same way that um, it treats a mountain, you know, that a cougar climbs up and dies on, you know, or defecates on. According to it, treats you according to all of its its universal truth and all of its laws. You know, that's why I said if you look at an expanded universe, it's trillions of stars and planets, billions of galaxies. You know, so to claim any kind of special self importance is uh, detrimental to your success. You know, there is an existence of certain personalities, but those your personality is never sufficient enough to discern all the truths that you need to survive. You know. Using intelligence and knowledge that you already know is not enough, you know. Um, it may prove effective to a degree so far, but if you continue on your path um, without giving into your destructive tendencies or without giving into your emotions, then eventually those things will have to strip away. And sometimes you come into I knew and you see people sharpening the knives. <laughs> You're like, oh, my goodness, this is the stripping. Oh, man, I wasn't ready. <laughs> I still have so many sinful memories I still want to explore. I still have so many regrets I want to hold on to and I'm still attached on. I still have so, so many ways I don't want to improve my thinking and my rationality and my judgment. I don't want to do that just yet. You see, I want to describe this, the, and define and comprehend the supreme being, even though the supreme is indescribable, indefinable and incomprehensible. Even by the greatest of sages, I feel that in my short couple of decades, I could be 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, that I've been able to achieve what sages haven't been able to achieve in thousands of years because I'm just that important. <laughs> yeah, it's a rough ride sometimes, you know. Well, like I said, I, I will that you you all definitely um, were able to get something of value. Uh, and if you were able to get something of value, that means you know, you open your ears up, even if just for a fraction of a second. That's okay. You know, you go back and listen. The seconds add up. Listen and listen and listen and listen and listen and listen and listen. You know, definitely. I want to thank everyone, too. Uh, I, I looked recently and saw that there was like a lot of good ratings on, on the podcast, um, on iTunes and what whatnot. I think there were like 63 or so, which I, I guess is a, is a lot. I'm not a as uh, versed in podcasting as I probably should be. Um, but I want to thank all of you who rated. Yeah, thank you so much. I think it's like a 4.9. I'm, I wish it was a 5.0. Maybe I can, if we get more ratings, I can push it up to a 5.0. But 4.9 is is respectable too. You know, so definitely if you enjoy, I'm going to say the podcast, just, you know, leave a rating, please. Leave a review. That does help people to find it, you know, of course. Um because because all of my works, I think, are kind of like that hidden truth. You know, um, it's that principle that exists within the context of a whole lot of other things. You know, there's a whole lot of um, other kind of podcasts and things like that, or YouTube videos. And, and we don't do a huge amount of effort to poke our head over those. You know, so you kind of, that's what a lot of times when people find, uh, our new stuff or my stuff, they often say, where have you been? Where have you been? I've been here. <laughs> I've been here. <laughs> Just been underneath the waves. I've been that, 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 that light, you know, that's been, you've been focused on the waves, you know? Um, and maybe now you did see me before, but you weren't able to discern the difference. So yeah, those reviews and stuff, it's cool. It helps, man. But I just wanted to, aside from asking, yeah, definitely please leave more. Um, I wanted to thank those who did, you know, um, thank you for taking out your time and uh, leaving reviews and stuff like that and clicking the star, the star button and to, re to rate it. I, I really do appreciate that, man. That's very kind of you to take out your time and do that. Um, also wanted to give you a heads up on a couple of things with Anu. Um, of course, as always, to join, go to AnuLifeGlobal.org, A-N-U-L-I-F-E-G-L-O-B-A-L. Uh, dot org and you can sign up there and then someone will be in touch with you so far if you want to be a part of the community that i lead and um coordinate for and cultivate and have 
really placed myself in, you know. Um, so, but there's some other things I wanted to share. Yeah, we do have our youth classes coming up pretty soon, um, which uh, the first set of classes we're going to just deliver as like packets, you know, so you can kind of ease into it as opposed to a rigid time. We were going to do a, a Sabbath Academy, you know, like on Saturdays where the youth would get together and they would have live classes and stuff like that. But um, it would be better if we actually did it as something that you can download youth can go through it and then we can meet up like on discord and then we can discuss and kind of build that way, kind of ease you in. And then before we set a time, a standard time, so that way more people can be involved because some youth do have like Saturday activities because this, this, this class is not just for our new children, it's for any and everybody youth specifically. I mean, if you're an adult, sure, you could check it out, but it's really for the youth. So, um, yeah, we do understand some people have, you know, different activities that they do on Saturdays. Got to take the boys, go get the haircut. Got to take, take the girls to go get their, get their hair done and, you know, and take them to gymnastics and cheerleading, whatever, football, whatever they're, they're involved in. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to do it like that, you know, um, and that will be coming forth very soon. Also, um, and normally I don't speak about when I have music coming. You know, I just kind of let it go out there. My music is my therapy. So, again, very similar to the segments, I don't do a whole lot of check me out on such and such, you know, like when it comes out, I might throw a little post up maybe. And that's usually just if there's a certain song that I may do that I feel is, um, healing, you know, all the, all the music I do is here. I don't really aim to do anything destructive, but I try to breathe life and to when I'm playing an instrument, like I said, everything I do, I do to the glory, very similar to what I spoke about early in earlier, everything is imbued with that God gene. You know, so whether I'm playing my guitar or playing my drums or piano, it, I'm constantly focused on that de- that deific sort of mentality. But the reason I'm I'm citing this one, and I'm going to say it a couple of times for those who kind of come in a little later, this next project will have um, explicit and strong kind of language and content. So uh, I know that children do listen to to the music that I put out because I've been told that they do and the children have told me, you know. Um, so uh, I just want to put that out there. This one is not for children. That's coming forth. So before you sit down and like, oh, Chief got a new little, little jingle out. Let's check it out. It might be like the last I knew one. I knew, I knew. <laughs> you know, this one's a little different. All right. Um, with that, I also will be releasing a, um, a class in a book you know, towards the end of this month. The class is um, the sexual alchemy class that I, I did previously, but they'll be with uh, much greater uh, explanations and content. I'm also releasing a book um, similar as well, you know, on the righteous aspects of such sexual alchemy. That book will be coming towards the end of the month as well as the music project. So it's a triple triple play, <laughs> if you will, that's coming towards the, the end of the end of this month. All right. So keep an eye out for that. But again, I just want to reiterate, um, as far as the music and maybe the, some of the other works as well, uh, definitely not, not for, um, children. It's a little bit more explicit because of the subject matter of what we're talking about. And, you know, I'll let you use your own discernment from there as guardians. All right. So with that, I want to thank you all for listening and I want to thank you for riding along and, um, those of you who are coming in and applying and being present for a consistent Shima's every Friday where we, we fellowship a little bit, read a little bit, talk about different concepts of economy and mating and business and entrepreneurship and scriptures and just different things. And um, for those of you who've even been enjoying the movie breakdowns with me, I've been doing 2001 A Space Odyssey all month. And that's been... Um, it's been fun for me. I mean, people have said they really enjoyed it a lot. I guess, you know, they haven't heard me do breakdowns in a long time. So, um, and it's a movie from 1968. So it's like, it's really no spoilers in it, I guess. But, uh, people have really enjoyed, uh, listening to that and following along. So that's been cool. We have, uh, I think three more, three more sessions. Yeah. We have three more sessions to go. Yeah. We've done two so far. So, 
you know, definitely enjoy that with us as well. That's on the Enlightenment Transformation channel, you know. So if you go to YouTube, just plug in Enlightenment and Transformation and subscribe to it. So that way you know, because yeah, sometimes things happen sporadically, very similar to these podcasts. They happen kind of sporadically. I know that. So it's good to subscribe to the podcast, whether it be on Apple Podcasts, Google, Stitcher. You know, it's, I'm on so many different platforms. I can't even list them all. But um, subscribe so that way you'll know when they come out because it's, it's not as consistent as maybe it should be. <laughs> but, uh, you know, give it some time. All right. So with that, uh, I want to thank you all for coming through. And uh, I'll see you again next time. All right. This is Chief Yuya saying, peace, be safe, be loving, teach someone, protect someone.